In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with the founders of Paleo Treats, Nick Hawks and Lee Selman. This is the Business of E-Commerce, Episode 9. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the podcast that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with the founders of Paleo Treats, Nick Hawks and Lee Selman. Hey, Nick. Hey, Lee. How are you guys doing today? Doing awesome. Yeah, psyched to be on. This is going to be rad. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, excited to talk to you guys. I, um, you guys started a site called Paleo Treats. Um, it was in... What, what year did you guys get started? We started in 2009. Okay. Wow. So yep. it's been a, uh, an e-commerce year. That's a long time. Yes, it is. It's been it's been awesome. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about how you guys got started? Um, yeah, I can do that. It's uh we started in so 2009 and we had a friend that moved in with us that had he eats he eats, eats paleo. He's been eating paleo since I don't know like 2005. So he moved in with us for a while and it was just easier for um, us at dinner time when we all got together to eat the same food. So we said, Oh, we'll give this a try. And so we started eating paleo, which is basically, you know, just getting rid of gluten, grain, dairy, and sugar. So it's eating, eating pretty clean. And a couple weeks went by and we started feeling great. And, uh, one thing you really start missing is you start missing, uh, dessert or chocolate or, uh, ice cream. So instead of uh, going and grabbing some Hagen Dazs, we decided, man, it would be nice to have just have the option of having a really clean finish to your day or a really clean dessert that's, you know, just as healthy as your healthiest meal. And so, you know, we all said light bulb kind of went off and we got the website and, and uh, ended up making a, um, a couple of them in our kitchen, uh, working on the recipes, ended up making a couple thousand in our little tiny kitchen, ended up taking them up to the CrossFit games. One of the first, I think it was the second or third CrossFit game up in Aromas. And we were thinking, Oh, we'll just, uh, end up giving them away, um, at the end of the games. And, and, uh, you know, we didn't want to come home with any. So, but lo and behold, we ended up selling out the morning of the second day. And we had people that were buying, you know, 15 and 20 of them. And, and so then we just realized that we had a pretty good business model here. So, yeah, kind of huh. went so from there. The, that's when the CrossFit Games was just getting started. So you kind of just show up and, you know, start talking to pretty much everyone, right? Yeah, it was, uh, I think there was like two or three booths. You know, it was pretty you know, dusty up there and tumbleweeds. And, and uh, we got some urns of coffee and served people coffee. And, yeah, it was pretty cool it was way before you know the big uh the big poobah that it is now but yeah it was pretty cool just so we know what are like what actually are the paleo treats are they chocolate or are they bars and like can you describe what they actually are yeah so they are they're desserts um so we've been around better, for eight way, years and i saying it yeah <laughs> i was trying to yeah. use the correct and, words yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, um, so we've been around for eight years and we've only come out with six treats. Uh, so we're really picky about taste 
and we're really picky about quality. Um, you know, we, we use really good cacao. So they're basically just real food desserts. Um, they don't have any filler. Most products that you see out there that you're used to seeing have a filler in them. So they have something, some agricultural product that ends up taking up a lot of space, like oats or flour or, or corn or soy. So with the paleo diet, you don't use any of that stuff in your diet. There's no filler. Um, you know, you're used to seeing your plate where it, there's some big filler that's taking up a lot of space, whether it's pasta or bread or rice. And the paleo diet doesn't have any of that in it. So your diet ends up becoming very nutritionally dense, right? Yep. Um, so we wanted to translate that into a dessert where you didn't feel uh, like crap after eating it. Um, yeah, so it's they're real food desserts. They um, only have uh, cacao. They're all plant-based. They have cacao, co- coconut oil, um, fruits, nuts, seeds. Yeah. Hmm. And Very cool. only sweetened with honey, honey. And they're okay. really good. We have people eat them at are like, uh, I don't know, dads and that don't even eat healthy and they, they love them. So yeah. So it's not necessarily yeah. even a paleo thing. You could actually, right. you know, even probably I'm guessing lower carb and all sorts of things like that. It probably fits in with those diets as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind it's of a normal, that, like low fat, you know, healthy eating type of thing. Yeah. It's just like taking, it's just like translating. It's just eating a real food dessert. Yep. Basically no preservatives. They, they have a limited shelf life. And they have no stabilizers, no emulsifiers, nothing like that in them. So it's just thinking of just taking your healthiest meal with and translating that into a dessert. Okay. So then move forward. So there's no, they don't, they probably aren't sitting very long on the shelves. You're kind of making them, selling them, sounds like, um, pretty quickly. So then what's the process right. look like today? Or how does that, you know, or is you kind of move from 2009 to I'm going to let Nick get on this one. Sure. So when we started in, in 2009, as Lee said, we made them in our kitchen, which if you put your arms out as wide as you can and turn in a circle, that's about how big our kitchen is. So we had to come back from those 2009 games, the CrossFit games, and figure out how do we make this at scale? You know, How do we serve more, many more people than we can do out of our little home kitchen? And, and really, how do we get it out of the house? So we found a bakery about 20 minutes north of us, so keeping everything pretty local. Um, we showed them how we make them. And they've been making our stuff ever since. So the process now is that we have kind of standing orders for them to make and fill um, whatever's getting low. So if we're getting low on brownie or chocolate bars or the macaroons or any of that stuff, they'll just make another 2,000. We use temperature as our preservative, so we'll keep them in the freezer. And then basically we're going through the stock fast enough that they're, they're never in the freezer for that long. Um, there's no pres- no preservatives or stabilizers, so it's 10 days um, shelf life at room temp, 60 days in the fridge, and six months in the freezer. So usually what will happen is we'll go up, grab a bunch of them for the week that we know we're going to ship out, and ship those guys out, kind of uh, fill up our freezers down at the office, our shipping station, and uh, yeah, wash, rinse, repeat next week. Hmm. And you guys are in California, right? Yep. Yeah, down in San Diego. San Diego, and everything's getting shipped out from San Diego to the East Coast, um, but it's all North America, continental, uh, United States? Uh, we ship all over the world, okay. so that was one of the things that we started off doing is 
uh, I was former military, so seeing these guys in Afghanistan and Iraq and knowing the kind of food that you eat when you're overseas is not particularly healthy. And so we want to make sure it was available to those guys through the APO system. Yep. Um, and that was the kind of first way we started shipping around the world. And then in 2009, 2010, and even now, it's still pretty hard to find strictly paleo desserts. You'll see a lot of stuff out there where folks are sneaking in uh, coconut sugar or stevia or erythritol and they're kind of getting to trying to get a, around having an actual healthy dessert. Um, and so people recognize that we're actually doing a totally paleo dessert. So we'll still have, you know, mining camps in Australia where a guy will be eating paleo and, and want to, um, yeah, make sure he's staying on the diet and even in dessert. So we'll ship it out there, or Hong Kong or Singapore, you know, basically any, anywhere somebody wants it, we'll ship it. So you ship out to all those places. So the APO system, and just so people, uh, I don't think everyone's familiar with that. It's a local address you can ship it to, and then that goes out to the military all over the world, wherever they're deployed at that time, right? Yep. Yeah, the APO and the um, FPO, the Arm, Armed Forces Post Office, and the American American Post Office. So that'll be if someone's at an embassy or somewhere else. It just makes it so that Americans stationed overseas by the government can receive mail at a reasonable price, and then this is arguable, reasonable shipping time. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends where they are exactly are. On a, on a boat at the time or where they happen to be, but it, it'll eventually get to them. Yep. Yep. That's very cool. Yep. So, so it's always can... a risk with, with food products, but uh, so far we've had really good luck with it. Yep. So even in, even shipping to, you know, the other side of the world, you're still able to do that with your times. Do you have to kind of um, keep them at temperature when you're shipping them, or is it okay at that point? Well, they've got a... 10-day shelf life, so we try okay. and keep them, 10-day uh, shelf life at room temp, so we try and keep them there, and if we're shipping to Afghanistan in the summer, we'll put it in an insulated box, we'll add a freezer pack, you know, we'll, we'll ship them frozen, kind of do all the things that we can, and I think it's also important in business in general, but definitely with food products without preservatives or stabilizers to set those expectations, so I'll tell the guys, like, hey, because you know, we give a 10% military discount that they have to sign up for, and when I first talk to them, I'll usually say, hey, just you know, like I'll go as fast as I can, but here are the limitations and here's what to expect when it gets there. Uh, make sure you have a freezer to put them in and then you're, you're good from there. And yep. we found that if we set those expectations early, people are pretty stoked with what they end up with. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things when you first get started, you don't kind of think of the, uh, the logistics side of it, of actually shipping, packaging, uh, moving them around, getting them, you know, in freezers and that sort of thing. Um, it's not immediately obvious that's going to be like a, uh, a folk, you know, one of those pain points of the business and then you start to realize that logistics is a kind of a big deal yeah especially when you're dealing with the you know fresh food yeah because you think about it you know you're not dealing with just a candy bar i mean most candy bars have a you know no expiration date eight months in the future you know so you think about perishable food it's it's a you know it's have a limited shelf life and that's yep. it's that's what happens when you eat you know little food and eat clean and and uh, we've worked really hard to kind of nail down the, the, the shipping of, of uh, perishables. Yeah, it's different if you're shipping so. uh, Twinkies all over the world, right? You can put them in a box and yeah. leave, them, leave them sitting there for a yeah. couple of months and everything will be yeah, great. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> yep. Nice. So then yeah. that's, yeah, it's definitely, have you guys had a background in this or is this something you guys kind of just, you know, both, this is like the first time in e-commerce and logistics and food products or is there some sort of background? I'm just curious. Um, no, no background in food products. It was like Lee said, it was kind of this thing that we fell into seeing that there was a, a need and then addressing okay. that. But we'd had a business, a couple businesses before this one. We had 
one where we sold uh, T-shirts online. Um, and mostly that was through wholesalers. So we we're selling through Nordstrom and Fred Siegel and other kind of high-end fashion places. But this was our first real foray into into serious e-commerce business. And there's you know some really exciting parts of that. You can reach tons of people. You can scale pretty easily as far as your audience goes. And then there's some more difficult parts where you don't get that human connection that you get with the walk-in store. So kind of balancing out and figuring out what what's going to work and what you can do really well and and what you have to lean away from. Yep. It sounds like you guys did a great job with the logistics side and everything. And that's, uh, that's tough to figure out at first. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Shipping food products. Yep. So, yeah. So then fast forward to like 2018, what's kind of your day to day look like and what are you doing today? And, um, yeah, what's kind of the, the process now and has it changed or is it kind of, or what's kind of the focus each day? Sure. So the logistics process hasn't changed much. At the end of the day, you know, to make cookies and ship them out, there's only so many ways to do that. But the rest of the business, what we found is to focus on the things that we like and we're good at. So I like to write. Uh, I like to think I'm pretty good at it. So I'll take take care of writing the blog every day. And then Lee is an artist. So she kind of runs the graphic overwatch on the whole thing and makes sure that the direction as far as the look of Paleo Treats is going where she wants it. So that kind of bleeding edge is out at the Instagram edge where she's you know, putting stuff out on Insta, seeing how it does, and then saying, okay, I like this. Let's do more of this. Let's let's change the look of the, the business in this way and really interacting with a lot of our supporters there. So a lot of the kind of day-to-day now is, has been looking at what we do well and then on the you know finding the weaknesses that we have. Um, and hiring, hiring people to help us fill those weaknesses so that we build a, a really well-rounded team where everybody can do what they're good at and not have to worry about kind of trying really hard at things they're not so good at. Have you found you're using like Instagram as kind of your, your proving ground to be able to start testing out different like graphic ideas and that sort of thing, get them in front of customers? Yeah, I think um, it's, a, it, it's a format where you can learn to build trust with your customer and I think it's, a, you know, it's a visual format and I think people have to remember that. And, uh, we were, we're really big on, uh, putting beauty out there, beauty and quality. And so Instagram is the perfect format for that for us. Um, yeah, we, uh, we're big on social media We're we're lucky we don't have, uh, you know, shareholders or investors. It's Nick and I that run the company. So we're really we're big on quality and it, we try to have that thread run through everything that we do. You know, we don't put something out there that's, uh, not going to be beautiful. And it sounds like a very like authentic brand where people can actually like follow it and get behind it and actually like want to see you on Facebook. And you know, it's not a, um, you know, it's not a big corporate brand. So people actually want to interact with you on kind of the Facebooks and Instagram, um, and talk to guys that way. Yeah, we and we love that. We, you know, we're not really concerned about meeting or reaching millions and millions of people or selling millions and millions of product. We really care about, uh, and we know we're not for everybody. And we care about those, you know, few customers that we do have, and taking care of those few customers that we have. And um, that's kind of how it's been, you know, for the past eight years. And then those people tell their friends about us. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I found that's one of those things that, uh, you find a certain group in that you resonate with that group and go deep with that. And, um, like you said, you're not going to be, uh, 
be perfect for everyone, but if you're going to be yeah. perfect for a group and that is the group that, you know, then actually wants to talk to you and that becomes your tribe and those are your people. Yeah. It takes a lot of pressure off of you also, you know, cause yeah. you, with, with inform- the information age, you just, so when you start a business, you're worried about everybody in America or everybody in the world. And, and uh, if you just start with your neighborhood and reaching people in your neighborhood that want a product or your product, um, and just scale it from there, it's, uh, you know, then you, then you feel like you have some movement, some hmm. progression. So, so is that what you guys are kind of doing to start moving things forward or what's kind of yeah, we moved, we recently, so we mostly shipped, okay? So we shipped to people all over the world, or, you know, wanting our product and wanting to eat clean. And, and uh, so we had probably about 80% of our business was e-commerce. Uh, we recently moved, that uh, September, we moved into a new space um, in uh, our neighborhood, which was cool. So we're about a mile, our office is about a mile from us, and we opened up a retail space. So we uh, it just ended up being a bigger space, so we opened up a storefront, and we are also focused on our neighborhood and helping our neighborhood eat healthy and having samplings, and we have people walk in and stuff like that. So so we're still probably about 70% e-commerce. Um, we look at the internet as being a, you know, it's a giant grocery store now, and you have to take that into account. And also, uh, you know, we sell through Amazon, all that stuff. So we cover all those bases too. How have you found um, selling through Amazon? How's that worked for you? Versus selling direct on the website versus, I guess, selling uh, retail? Um, it's good. I think, you know, you can't deny the power of Amazon. I use nope. Amazon. And so it's, you have to think about, uh, it, it's a form of marketing for you. You're going to reach people that haven't seen you that or won't see you. So we love, you know, we love it. We've always loved Amazon. So, and we see the power of it and the, the beauty of it. And yep. Yeah. It sounds like with a brand like yours, you know, they might be finding you on Amazon, but then, you know, they're buying you because of something special about your brand. Right. So then they're able to look back and maybe go directly to your site or start kind of actually, you know, making a relationship with you at some point and not just, um, you know, saying, hey, I found this on Amazon, and now it's just the thing you buy on Amazon. It could be something that you're actually able to, um, once they try it on Amazon, kind of, you know, they become part of your group, um, which is rare. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a it's, a, it's a great way to look at it, and it's a great way to look at all those, uh, all those formats, you know, and uh, we were really surprised with our retail space, and we had, you know, we've got quite a few people coming in, and, and uh, you know, it just covers all your bases, but I think at the end of the day, you have to be good enough to, to be discovered. And that's what's going to, you're going to hold ground on, is that. Hmm. I yep. like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have to have a good product. Um, when we started, we didn't want to make a product that was just going to fill a shelf. We wanted to make a product that was going to, you know, blow you away when you ate it. Um, and all that does is it just takes hard work. Yep. So, I mean, you're living in America where there's, you know, 20 of everything. So it's, uh, you know, you, it's a pretty, it's pretty saturated. So if you just, you know, bring your energy back into 
what you're doing and why you're doing it. And, you know, we take a lot of care in our product and our packaging. And it's, we want to give an experience when people open the box, when they get the box. You know, we've got some funny graphics on there. You know, we've started that, you know, six or seven years ago. That's, that's funny if you flip the box all around and, and, uh, you know, we want you to have an experience when you open it and we want there to be joy and fun when you open it. And just to take care, that much care in a product, we, we think it's really valuable and it goes a long way and really try to focus on really good customer service. Nick said, we have this thing hanging up in our office that be the nicest, what was that? The nicest person people talk to all day, every person that, that you, you talk to. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And that probably also helps out, um, you know, any competition. I don't know if you've ha- had anyone come in and try to copy a product and make kind of a similar brand. But when you kind of differentiate yourself like that, it's a lot harder for them to follow you, I'm guessing. Um, they're more just like, a, you know, imitating. And it's hard for them to actually do the same thing you do when you kind of have that unique stuff that you add to the whole experience. Yeah, it's... um. You really have to be moving forward always, and you have to know what's going on in your with your in your field. You have to. Um, this is going to sound funny, but we always look to. We're a pretty creative company, and we always I, I always look to inspiration for like you know the Gucci's and the Chanel's of the world, where you know everybody's going to copy them. Everybody, you know, they're they've got their back turned to everybody. They're moving so fast with uh, designs and stuff like that. So. Um, when we started, we didn't want to make, uh, you know, white packaging with little green leaves to make it look like it was, you know, super healthy. We didn't want to do anything like that. We wanted to, you know, what, how do we want to express ourselves? So we, you know, our, our colors are pink and, and, uh, you know, fuchsia and stuff like that. So we, uh, and we have some funny stuff on Instagram with like soul train and, and, uh, trying to inspire people, you know, through awesome quotes to eat healthy and, and educating people at the same time. So we, you know, we either want to entertain or inter- inform people. So. Yeah. yeah. And then what you said about like Gucci and Chanel, that sort of thing where like, you know, they could copy you, but they're always one step behind and they're just, you know, they're imitating and following. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, everyone can kind of see they're just one step behind. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, and it basically it comes down to just having a belief in what you're doing and in, in your product, what you're putting out there. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's cool. It's so uh then, yeah, it's oh, neat. Go on. Nope, I was done. <laughs> <laughs> so then once you get kind of a solid product and you know you know it's you know it's good, you have good feedback, how do you start kind of growing from there? What's kind of the next step you guys took to okay, you know, now let's even get the word out more and you know, advertising or what's that kind of look like? Sure. So that's more, definitely more my kind of bellowick. Whereas we started thinking about, you know, how do we stay in touch with the people who are going to be our customers and how do we grow a new customer base? And at the time, and it's still true today, that the number one way to connect with people is through email. So for folks who are listening to this who are new businesses, really focus on collecting emails so that you stay in touch with the people who've actually shown interest in you. Emails equal money. Um, And that's one thing that that we do and say, okay, someone gives us their email. That's step one is making sure that we, we build that list. But step two 
is equally important, which doesn't always happen with a lot of businesses, is to make sure that the emails you send out are super high value. So there's a couple, couple ways we think about building building a business because there's only Lee and I who run it. And then we've got um, two what we consider full-time employees. Um, we try and have a, a limited work week so that people can have their Friday, Saturday, Sunday to themselves. And then we've got a couple other people who come in and work for us a little bit, but there's no more than five or six people working for Paleo Treats at, at any one time. And that means that we have to build systems that answer the, you know, the frequently asked questions automatically. And then we can take care of the, the odd questions that come up in a personal way. And that, that allows us to leverage you know, the very best parts of what we can offer. So email and email automation is, is the way that we do that. And then thinking about all those emails that go out, making sure, hey, they're, when someone gets them, if they open it up, it's going to make their life better. And it's not always going to happen. That goes back to what Lee was saying about, you know, making sure you're you're focusing on your niche and not on everybody. Is that if if we try and sell paleo treats to people who are looking for, you know, a package of Oreos, 20, 20 Oreos for two bucks, we're never going to satisfy those people. Yep. But if we go looking for those people who are saying, yeah, I want the best that's out there and I'm willing to pay a little bit more, that's exactly our customer and we can help those people a bunch achieve all of their goals. And that's, it's really focusing on like, what, what do you want to do with your business? What does your customer want? And then how do you match those two things up really well? So then when you say you're sending out email to them, what's an example of like a high value email that you would send to someone they would, you know, want to open and it's, you know, something they're looking forward to reading. There's two different kinds of emails that we send out. There's the ones that I I shoot out, like I'll write a blog post, uh, two to four of those a month. And so that'll go out every week and it could be anything that I'm, I'm into. And this is what, one of the things that we found with, with this e-commerce business is you really can share parts of your personal life that aren't kind of overly personal and private, but just the stuff that you're exploring. So a while ago I bought a little, um, it's called a TDCS transcranial direct current stimulation kit. And it's basically these little electrodes you put on your head and shock your brain and stimulate your brain to work a little bit faster. It was something I'd read about, was interested in, tried it out. Lee thought it was hilarious because I put these things on my head and I said, hey, <laughs> I'm going to turn this thing on. If I start twitching, knock them off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> She's like, oh, you're crazy. But then I get to write about that and put that on the blog and share that with people. And what we found is that most people who are eating paleo are people who want to improve their life um, in a way that you can think about improving performance. So whether they want to run faster or lift heavier or be a better person or be nicer or more mindful or whatever it is, they want to get better. And so anything that we do where we're experimenting and how we can get better personally that we can share with them helps them out. So that that's an example of an email that I sent out that was hopefully high value to, to most people. And I get, you know, comments back like, oh, you're totally crazy, but they're, they're interacting and they're kind of getting something out of it. And then the second part, um, is going to be the the automated emails. And so those are things like when you sign up for the list, what we see with a lot of people is they need help starting paleo. Paleo seems like a really high barrier for them. And they think they have to say, eat a plate full of, you know, bison meat and they can only do free range, grass fed, shade grown, organic, bird friendly, whatever the label is. And if they don't do that, then they're, they're going to go to whatever paleo hell. <laughs> and that's not true. So it's, one of the things we do with the initial series of emails is to, is to say, hey, welcome to Paleo. Here's how to start off pretty easily. Here are a couple recipes we found that work really well. And then here's a framework with which to understand Paleo and, and make it work for you. Because everybody you know, kind of functions a little bit differently. Some people do better with more meat or less meat or more veggies. And 
you know, paleo as a diet usually avoids beans or legumes, some people are fine with them. And so we're, we say with our product, we're really strict, but with our people, we're, we're really lax and kind of flexible and making sure that the people who come to us, like our main goal is to make sure that they can meet their, you know, health and happiness and satisfaction goals. So how do we figure out the best way to do that? Maybe our product's the right one for them. Maybe it's not. We can steer them somewhere else. So those, those kind of two emails are the, uh, the ways that we add value. And that kind of helps probably the, um, you know, attracting new users saying, Hey, we can give you some advice about paleo. You know, we have this kind of introductory, we have some recipes, we have that sort of thing. So it's not just kind of, um, you know, sign up for our newsletter and you're not really sure what you're going to get. You can kind of let them know, you know, here's what to expect. And that's what they get from, you know, signing for a newsletter and they, um, you know, you can kind of be very, um, upfront with them about what they can expect to receive each, each week or each month. Yeah. And I think also don't, don't think about having, you know, a focus on having, you know, a hundred thousand people on the list, you know, think about the 10,000 people that are going to want to get your email every time you send it out and they're going to be interested in what you're saying. And mm. yeah, just go, you know, keep, keep shooting for quality. You know, you start, start small to, to go big. I think, what was that guy's name? Seth <laughs> oh yeah. Seth Godin. Yep. He, that was so cool. That's such a great 20 minute podcast. It was yep. good. I like but that. we have, yeah, we have some good, uh, we had a, one email that we sent out or blog in a blog post about, you know, how Nick and I, you know, we've been together for 16 years and how we run a business together and we, 17 years, 17 years. We had a great, <laughs> uh, you know, how, how we communicate, you know, and how we do that, which is, uh, yeah. So we talk about stuff like that and, and, uh, systems that we've built and, yeah. Is this something you guys do similar in the blog of kind of sharing these like personal details and um, stuff like that? And uh, Sometimes. Nick does most of the writing. He's the writer. Um, I'm a visual person, so he does the writing. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so do kind of, the long form goes on the blog, and then the short form is the email. So the email will be the intro to, you know, hey, this is how Lee and I have stayed married for 17 years. Check out the blog post here. Here's what you can expect to learn. You know, the three techniques that we've used or the time that we almost got divorced over a Mexican peso or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. That sounds like a good blog post. There you go. That's a good story. Yeah, we did a, <laughs> you know, we did a water fast one time. So it was both of ours experience with a five day water fast and, oh, wow. and, uh, yeah, cold baths and why to get sunshine and all that stuff. So yeah, we hope we we're helping, uh, helping some people, you know, live better, lives. live better lives, be healthier. Yeah. I like that. That's great. Yeah. So then what I, I know we talked kind of before the show, we had some notes and you were talking about some, you know, local traffic and giveaways and that sort of thing and how that's kind of played into the whole thing. And they also mentioned this, um, Frank.ai, the AI based retargeting. I was interested in that as well. Yeah. Nick found that. I, I forget how he found it. He discovered the Frank AI and it was something that's really interesting. We, we put quite a bit of money into Facebook ads and Google ads over the years and really have never connected with somebody that would kind of do the back end really well. Hmm. So we've, we've uh, dumped a lot of money into it and haven't had a lot of great success. And we, Nick found this company called Frank, Frank AI and we're, it's artificial intelligence and we're pretty big on trying new things and, We've been 
just started working with them. I've had to do a lot of stuff on the front end, which you have to be responsible for what you're putting out there and what works, uh, what people want to see, what people don't want to see with marketing. Um, so I've literally just studied, you know, Facebook ads for the past couple weeks and put together some ads and we just launched those. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see how that goes, but so far it seems pretty cool. I think it's a pretty cool concept. I, I know like, you know, everybody's starting to use it, Facebook and all that. So it's, it's not like yeah. it's retargeting just if people do are retargeting or remarketing just so if people don't know um can you actually kind of just define what that is i think everyone knows by now but i just want to sure <laughs> make sure totally i mean it definitely does seem like a mystery to a lot of people that that we meet so retargeting is a company like paleo treats will put uh, like a piece of software on our site when you visit our site it'll put a, a cookie or a little piece of code on your browser yep. to let us kind of see where um, what's happening as you cruise around. And then as that cookie, as you visit different sites on the web, say the New York times or whatever news sites you're going to, or, or any other site that offers advertisement spots, you'll see a advertisement from paleo treats. So the idea, and this is actually a little bit bigger of a conversation I think is pretty interesting is lots of folks right now are saying, Oh, when I'm on the internet, I'm always getting all these crazy advertisements. I don't want any advertisements at all. And the way that, you know, a market works is that people pay to advertise and, and then from being paid, the, the providers of the content can actually produce good content. So what retargeting is allowing companies to do is to say, hey, I know that you know Nick Hawks doesn't want to see pictures of um, soccer balls. Like Nick's not into soccer. So there's no reason to, for a, uh, an advertiser to pay to display a soccer ad to me. But I am into paleo desserts or paragliding or whatever it is. So those things, as I visit those sites and the sites tell basically the internet, like what I'm into, I can, as I cruise around, I'm going to see ads that are directed just at me. So it makes it a much more personalized experience. And I think the really cool thing about where we're going that will benefit everybody is you're only going to start seeing ads come into your view when you're ready to see them. And that's really the next big leap that's going to happen in, in advertising in general. Right now, all of us have had the experience of you know, we're looking for a microphone online or we're looking for some product online. We go and we buy it. We get on Facebook and we see an advertisement for it. And we're like, dude, yep. we just bought that. I don't need to see that anymore. <laughs> What's going to happen probably sometime this year or next year is that the the technology will catch up and say, okay, they just bought that product. They don't need to see it again. They've been looking at this next thing. They're likely to buy this next piece. Let's start showing that to them so that they're ready for it. We can show them exactly what they want. And what might be the best fit for them so that we're not wasting their time with a bunch of stuff that is almost good enough. So that's kind of a long way around around the retargeting bit. Yeah, nothing worse when you uh, buy a new car or something and you have you know Honda and Toyota following you around the internet for the rest of the month. Totally. Because you just uh, came home with a new car and that sort of thing. Yep, yep, exactly it. So then are you guys retargeting folks that have already been on the site or are you using, um, I don't know how much detail we should get about retargeting and how it works, but are you using like lookalike audiences to actually um, find new um, pro you know, folks that might not know about you and bring them in that way? Absolutely. So the, the retargeting is people who come to our site. We then uh, kind of follow them and, and shoot, shoot advertisements their way. The lookalike audience will be taking our email list and loading that up into an advertising platform like AdRoll or Facebook or whatever and saying, hey, these are, these are what our customers look like. Can you find me more customers who look like them and allow me to display my ads to those folks? 
And so it's, it's always this kind of uh, constant effort to make advertising better. And I think it's, it's not this necessary evil. It's a totally rad thing um, that's been, you know, kind of build, build the wrong way. But I think what a, what a cool thing that'll be if I can get online and I only see ads for stuff that I'm pretty likely to buy. And that makes the whole market process really efficient and people can afford to pay for, you know, great products, great advertising that, that's specifically targets me and what I'm doing or specifically targets you or, or whoever's listening. Cause we all have different interests. Like you're not going to care at all if you see the latest um, paraglider wing, whereas that's going to be vitally interesting to me. Like at this point with a, a brand new kid, you're probably more interested in on diapers and <laughs> whatever else is yeah. out there. I and do those get those things wouldn't, wouldn't do me much good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things people, it's definitely got a bad rap. People thinking that, you know, advertising is evil and all these different things, but then you start to realize that, you know, maybe you're a CrossFitter and this and that, and you're not going to see the Oreo ads following you around the internet and that sort of thing. Or even worse, if you go back to early 2000s, just like the banner ads, that sort of thing, where you would literally see ads for like ringtones for your phone or something that, something that you just were not going to buy. Um, it's a much better experience to actually, if you're into paleo, eating healthy, actually see an ad for you guys that you might actually be interested in. And it might actually um, be something that people want. Um, and it's not just, you know, blasting people over the head with, stuff they'll never purchase anyway so it's actually like it almost adds the experience and it has gotten a bad rap you're right um which is unfortunate yeah yeah it's pretty cool i mean i think the way to really appreciate it is to ask yourself what are you not seeing and how much better is your your web experience because of what you're not seeing if you're you know like you said not getting beaten overhead with toyota ads or ringtones ringtones or whatever it is like your website experience is way better and yep you know, everybody wants this free internet, but somebody's paying the bills and mostly it's advertisers. Hmm. And you found kind of Facebook and if you are you using Google at all, or is it just kind of, is Facebook because everyone now, I mean, that's, that is kind of the, the new coolness. Uh, everyone's talking about Facebook or are you kind of branching out to other ad networks? So the way that the frank.ai works is that that was one of the promises they made is they'll, they'll take the creative stuff uh, creative graphics and the messages that we come up with and they will test those across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the web in general, news sites, all of that stuff and use that artificial intelligence to say, okay, this ad does the best on Facebook and that ad with that copy does way better on Twitter. And you know, this third ad is more for Instagram. And so it's always going back to that idea of, of how do I get the right message to the right person at the right time on the right platform? And I mean, that's the radical thing about the internet is that a tiny little company in San Diego selling this niche product can actually compete in that market and, and do okay. And that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Well, and it's different. You're probably coming up with different creatives and it's nice to have, you know, something test them, right? Because there's intent. Like if you're on Google and you're saying, you know, paleo food, buy paleo food, you could have very clear intent what you're looking for at that moment. But if you're on Facebook looking at, you know, pitches of, dogs and cats and babies, you might not be thinking about paleo food at that moment, but you might scroll by an ad and say, oh, that looks interesting and pop over there and read a blog post and check it out that way. So certain ads do perform a lot better based on where they are at that moment and kind of your behavior on that ad network. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, I mean, the whole thing is fascinating to me. I, li- I like the whole marketing and human psychology stuff. So that's, that's where I fit in. I, b- I bet we could talk for a while about this, but yeah, it's, that's how we do it at, at PT. Yeah, I definitely, um, I feel like that's a hot topic right now and everyone's talking about Facebook and retargeting. So it's interesting. 
But then, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, you got to think, Hey, do I have a good product? Do I have good service? Are people going to come back and buy this? And then once you have those dialed in, then it's, then it's effective to say, okay, how do I find more people? But what we see a lot of, especially with the whole real food movement that's super hot right now is folks will go in with really slick marketing, super big budgets, but they don't have the, the basically good product behind it. And so we've seen over the course of nine years, I can't tell you how many companies kind of come up, seem like they're doing really well. You look at them, you're like, God, the product's not that good. The marketing is really good. Let's see what happens. And they just disappear. And I think that's, you know, going into folks who are starting a business or, or running a business who are listening to this, like entrepreneurship is is definitely not for everybody. And you have to, you know, have that ability to hold true to the, the quality standards that you set. And it's really tempting to drop those. You know, we get stuff on a, on a pretty regular basis, like, oh, your prices are so high. And we have that, that discussion over and over. But really, like, we're, we're looking for the people, not who don't care about pricing or don't care about money, but who care more about being healthy. And it's saying like, Hey, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to do this high quality product. Um, I'm going to, you know, save time, whatever it is that, that works for them and, and reach directly to those people rather than, you know, going crazy with advertising to people who won't buy or who will be upset at some aspect of it. And as founders, you're constantly kind of questioning, you know, are we doing the right thing? And it helps to have that kind of one focus kind of in the background saying, yeah, you know, just keep going back. You know, this is what we're doing. We're providing a high quality product. And like you said, it's not for everyone, but, you know, having that to fall back on and because there are times where you get that angry email, you know, your prices are too high, this and that. And it's nice to be able to, you know, say you do question, you know, are they? And then knowing, okay, no, this is, you know, we want to provide a high quality product and this is the cost of these. Um, the same thing yeah. shopping at Whole Foods versus, you know, the local wherever. Um this higher prices, but it's just for a different uh, type of food is being sold there. Yeah. And you end up educating people. I mean, it's, uh, you know, our treats are, you know, five to six bucks a piece and, and, uh, they don't have any, they're very nutritionally dense. So you can probably cut them in quarters and we do it all the time and just have a piece. And you think about the, the world we're living in, people will walk in and spend, you know, three to five bucks on a, on a coffee and which is mostly water. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just end up having to educate people, uh, a lot, which is, which is fine with us because it's, yeah, you know, it teaches them and makes them better people. And, uh, we also have live chat on our website, which I has mm-hmm. been one of the best things we've ever done. Oh really? It, uh, yeah, that's, it's amazing. And is that for customer service or what kind of, how is that used primarily? Yeah, customer service. So we just leave it on as much as, you know, as we can. And people will write in. People love to hear back right away. Um, they It could be the simplest question, like, hey, can I have two of this instead of two of that? But you, if you can answer that right away, you've saved a sale, really. And, you know, I love live chat. And a lot of people think that, you know, you're talking to somebody in overseas, but it's, you know, as far as we go, it's, it's actually us that you're talking to, you know, so Nick and I love when they ask like on a, the computer a lot. So, and people must love when they ask like a paleo question, they get like this answer right back of actually someone that knows what they're talking about and, you know, oh, wow, you guys are actually like there and, you know, you can hear me yeah. and understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, technology piece. As long as you have the time and you're going to be in front of the computer anyway, that's probably the, you know, after you get your website and your email stuff set up, that's the best four bucks a month where you can spend is, is with live chat. Hmm. Well, that probably also helps to get that quick feedback cycle, I'm guessing, where, you know, maybe you guys put out a blog post and somebody responds back with, you know, oh, I, that was crazy. Uh, you try something new and you can quickly hear back from people and you don't have to, you know, it's a lot easier. It's a lot um, shorter of a feedback cycle. Yeah. Or looking for this or, you know, yep. it could be a wholesale account. It could be, you know, you never know who you're going to get. I mean, it, you never know who you're going to be talking to yep. ever who's yeah, on the other end. A, and Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes I've done the same thing with live chat and you people pop on and it's, uh, yeah, you never know. And it, it's different yeah. every time. Um, but it definitely, um, it definitely shortens that feedback cycle and you lose something over email. I've noticed too, with that long back and forth, um, you know, that's just with live yeah. chat, you're able to quickly kind of hash something out and all of a sudden um, get right to the point. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. So yeah, people also just don't have time anymore. They don't have time and you, you can quickly solve their problem. So if they, you know, hey, you know, where's my tracking yes. number? So why, why not? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. All the time. Yep. So then you, yeah. you also mentioned we we're talking before about experimenting with shipping prices. Um you guys have done some things with that with like flat rate or free shipping or you do some different testing there? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the idea to start with, and it seems so obvious, but a lot of, a lot of folks don't get it, is that shipping is going to cost somebody. Yeah. Right. And so you've got to think about how are you going to present that proposition? Cause there's no way that shipping is ever free. Right. And what we, what we see a lot with, entrepreneurs we talk to who are coming up and, and asking us for advice like oh how do you do free shipping if we, we talk to fedex and we're like hey fedex we're, we're actually pretty good people we'd really appreciate if you could just ship for free and it has to be two days across this yeah <laughs> across the u.s so totally so yep. what we did and we just experimented with a bunch of stuff we said hey let's try putting the the, the cost that we pay on the site and they can add that to the cost of the cookies, so it's super transparent. Now, people didn't like that. Didn't like it whether they were living in San Diego and it cost seven bucks to ship to them, or whether they're living in Florida and it cost thirty dollars to ship to them. They they just didn't like it. So then we tried a flat rate where it's like, hey, it's I think twelve bucks to ship to everybody. We averaged out the, the cost of our shipments. They didn't like that. Hmm. And I think this is something that Amazon has gotten people used to. Yeah, is just expecting free shipping. And so for us, it was well, like a little bit of a heartbreak to say, hey. We're just going to include the price of shipping in every box of cookies. So if you buy this small box, you know, four or five times, you get paying. And as kind of overly expensive as that sounds, we found that for our customers, that's the way they wanted it. And so this is one of those things that they hit on it earlier. If you get the com if you get a complaint from people, oh, your stuff is expensive. You have to ask yourself, like, is it? Yeah. Am I am I doing this wrong? And with shipping, kind of despite it our best efforts to charge people what they what they cost um, we found that people didn't want to deal with it and they were willing to pay the extra price to have you know quote free unquote shipping and so that's that's what we did but that was after I don't know two or three years of experimentation going back and forth with a bunch of different stuff and that's one of those things that's not immediately obvious when you start of you know you think that the cheapest shipping is the best and then you don't realize that you know maybe a slightly more expensive shipping but baking in the price is actually 
converts better. Um, and it's not immediately obvious, but it's one of those things, unless you actually test it, you don't see that on the surface. Because it sounds so counterintuitive, what you're saying. Yeah, but like, exactly. You hear that all the time, um, especially with free shipping, because like you said, I think Amazon has really, like, it's they train people that, you know, things ship for free on the internet, and that's just how it works. Yeah, and it's like you don't really, you know, look at the price of the bottom line. It's yep. and that it's included in there. Hmm. You know, it's there's going to be a, it, you know, something's going to be more expensive for that free shipping. So I've even found but myself it's just the I, of the the, I, the words free shipping. Yeah, the free. Sh I found myself kind of falling victim to that too. Where if there's two products, I just like the free shipping feels attractive, and I don't know why. Um, I think Amazon's trained me just, and I know that it's not free. Um, but it's still, it's one of those things. I don't know the psychology behind it. Yeah. Have you done any yeah. other kind of free experiments? Shipping. So you've, yeah, free, you know, everyone wants something for free, I guess. Um, yeah. Have you done any other kind of experiments that have counterintuitive, um, results like that? Yes. Um, but we, so we started off when we were selling, uh, that very first event back in 2009, yep. we were selling the cookies for two bucks each because we we didn't know. And we thought like, hey, we're going to have to give these away anyway. Let's just, you know, let's make the prices as low as possible. Yep. And then we came back from that and started looking into pricing and saying, man, if we sell these at two bucks each, we're going to be out of business in about a month. And we didn't want to be out of business. So we just started slowly raising the price, seeing what worked. And at one point, we were up as high as seven bucks a treat, and we saw that that's where people started kind of dropping off. And we also didn't feel that it was right, like a person would buy one treat for seven bucks. We'd lose money on the shipping, and they'd be pissed because they bought a seven-dollar treat that came in a box, and that's that's never like a great experience to open up your box, and then there's only one thing in there. Yep. So we kind of dialed back and said, okay, we're going to buy, you know, one of each. It's going to be, I think it's right around six bucks just under that if they're going to buy 36 it's just under you know four it's like 480 or 490 a treat so really experimenting with those shipping things and then reading a bunch about uh shipping they're not shipping uh, um experimenting a bunch about pricing theory and how price anchoring works and how to use all that to to help people understand the, the value and quality of your products yeah, pricing is one of those things that's not immediately obvious, and especially um, with what you guys are doing, it's you're making something from scratch. So how to price it isn't, you know, you don't have something to peg it to of, oh, you know, they sell, you know, this for that, so let's just go exactly, you know, let's do this exact price and let's just copy them. Um, you guys, it sounds like you, it's almost this own little market where you basically have to really experiment with price and figure out what the market can bear and not just, there's no one to, you know, just price it. 30 cents cheaper than and say, great, we won. Yeah. I always compare it to coffee, you know, and what you're used to seeing with, with a coffee, you know, what's, what are you going to pay for a cup of coffee, no matter how good or how it's made, how much, you know, what's your threshold for that? And it seems like there's always a, a some mental threshold, yep. you know, would you pay seven or $8 for a cup of coffee? I mean, I would do it just to say, wow, what does a $8 cup of coffee really taste like? But you know, you're not going to buy 30. Cents. You're not going to buy. Yeah. It's not going to be your, them, uh, so. yeah. you every morning, yeah. your $8 coffee. Yeah. Yeah. You're not buying yeah. rounds. Yeah. There's actually a place here in Boston <laughs> with a, it's a coffee so. shop with stadium seating and you can watch the baristas like 
craft your coffee and it's like a nine dollar coffee and um i've definitely gone there before and it's cool but i don't go yeah. there every morning i would try it yeah, yeah. you gotta try it and they make you know a nice yeah. little flower on top totally. and with the with the foam and it's great but it's not yeah. something you do every morning because it's a little extreme huh yeah i like that and then one other thing we noted is kind of books to read. I saw you guys added that and I definitely wanted to go into that of, you know, things that have helped you in this kind of uh, entrepreneurial journey, let's call it. Yeah. So the important thing to note with, with books is just how you learn. So you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm not a reader. Basically, don't pay attention to these recommendations. Like, Find something that's going to work for you, whether it's YouTube videos or you go to a conference or whatever it is. But for me, I'm a reader. That's how I learn stuff. And I found a couple different books that just, they really helped me understand uh, marketing and sales and how, how people kind of think about their purchases. And so that was Priceless by William Poundstone, um, Ask by Ryan, I think you say his last name, Levesque, um, spelled Levesque. Um, there's one called Influence by Robert Cialdini, and he's just come out with uh, another book as well. Um, and then don't make me, don't make me think by Steve Krug or Krug. So it's all these just different ways of like, how do I understand how people use the internet? How do they use a website? What are they looking for? What's important to them? Um, and how do I kind of get out of their way so that they can have this really direct experience and, and get what they want out of it? Cause there's that piece as a, as a human, not just a business owner where you want to impose your view of the world on someone or something. And if you want to be a successful business owner, really what you've got to do is figure out how do other people want to see the world and then how do I deliver that to them in the form of, of this product so that if they're looking for what I have, there's a, a really efficient, frictionless transition between me having it and them having it. And then if they're not, like there's no sense in spending time trying to get them to, to buy something they don't want or need or can't help them, can't help them yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that's one thing you both have really focused on. It's just kind of knowing your customer and knowing who they are and really like like being one with your customer and really kind of understanding what they want and how to help them. And it's not, you know, you're not one group of people trying to sell this other, you know, golfers and you don't play golf type of thing. It sounds like you're really like living and breathing the kind of um, lifestyle that your customers do. So that helps you to really connect with them. Yeah, yep. I also think uh, we, you know, don't want, the biggest thing is we just don't want to come up with another product and just to put out into the world. We want to come up with something that's, you know, was unique, unique to us, unique to the world, benefits the world somehow. And, and that's, you know, listening to what you, what, you know, your inner voice says with it, something that you're passionate about, something that you care about. And, um, yeah, thinking of it as your, you know, your contribution to the world. Because we're, kind of, you know, we're, go ahead. What, I was going to say, what's your process look like coming up with new products? Like, how's that actually, it's on, you said you have five of them currently? Uh, we have six. six and okay. we're just, uh, we're coming out with a new one uh, yeah, tomorrow, the first, okay. the first one. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty long process. We, um, s uh, I usually make the product and it comes, it's probably about, you know, 20 to 30 iterations of a recipe and um, we make a lot of it and we take it into our crew and everybody says they don't like it. They do like it. If people don't love it and they're not crazy about it, we don't move forward with it. So it's it literally, you know, there's been a lot that we've, we've, uh, 
thrown away and kanked and and uh then we come up with a you know we all come up with a creative name for it it's like for us it's like having a you know a little child and it's got a little personality and it's you know we're excited about it and so yeah that's our is this something customers are kind of guiding you towards a new product or are you coming up with them first and then you know, guiding the customers towards, hey, we have this new thing, check this out? Um, it's probably a little bit of both. Hmm. Uh, we don't want to, if somebody says, hey, do you guys have something with strawberry? You know, if if we can't come, come up with something that's going to knock it out of the ballpark where you could give it to your grandma and she would be like, wow, this is amazing. You know, we don't want to make it. Um, and so, yeah. So it's got to, it's got to, you know, we have people suggest stuff, but it's, it's got to, you know, people want us to do stuff with stevia sometimes, but we just don't like the taste of those sweeteners. You know, they leave a really kind of weird aftertaste and we just haven't been able to nail something made with any of that, those, uh, different sweeteners. So, um, so we haven't, haven't gone down that road. Um, our lowest in carb is, uh, the bandito and uh, a lot of people that do like keto or low carb will eat that and you know slice off a little bit of that it's a really good one it's one of our best sellers and hmm. and what, what is it exactly uh it's an almond butter cup almond butter cup. okay yeah it has like chocolate on top and it's, it's super really it's really good yeah i think of like a reese's peanut butter cup but three times as big and without any poison in it sounds good i'm gonna have to try it <laughs> that will get a box out to you <laughs> yeah that'd be great Okay. Yeah. This has been very interesting. I definitely, um, I know you guys don't have all the time in the world, so I want to watch the time here. Um, but yeah, curious kind of, you know, the last kind of couple questions are, you know, like what is the goal? Like why you're doing it? Um, and you kind of mentioned talking, you know, figure out why you're in business. Um, could you kind of touch upon that a little? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's probably the single most important thing for, for most people is when they think about why you're in business, most people will think to make money and making money is just a part of why we are in business. When we started, we came up with these kind of three guiding pieces. Number one was to add beauty, quality, and joy to the world. Number two is to have effing fun. And number three was to make money. And so it was this thing that we said, look, we're not in business to sell a billion paleo treats. We're not in business to buy Lamborghinis and drive them off cliffs and jump out and parachute to the ground. We're in business to make a really cool product for what will probably always only ever be a niche market, to have a lot of fun doing it, to provide good jobs for the people who are working for us and a great environment for them. You know, we come in and it, it sounds almost cheesy, but I think every time I went into the office this week, the employees were dancing when I walked in. They had some song on. They're doing like a photo shoot um, for this giveaway that, that we're running. And they're just having a super good time. And they're also getting work done. And so it's yeah. this kind of combination. And, and it's really important to identify why you're in business when you start. Um, going back to the idea that an entrepreneurship is not for everyone, everyone, despite that being how it's portrayed in the media – there's plenty of nights where you go to bed and you know that if a risk you took doesn't pay off, you're not gonna you're not gonna be in business the next day, and you've got to be able to be okay with that that kind of big risk and responsibility. And you know, I can't tell you how many nights Lee and I have been up more Lee because she's you know more running the the financial side of it, where it's just like 
dang it, we got payroll tomorrow. Like we better make sales today or, or this check better come through. And if you think about it, it's, it's, a, it's an odd way to make a living is to sell niche cookies on the internet. <laughs> um, but it allows us to do the things that we're the very best at doing and that we have the very most fun doing. And so while we have kind of a rule in our house, because we work from, from the house and from the office and kind of wherever we are, that most of the time we don't talk about business before 10 in the morning or after six in the evening, we're always thinking about it because it's something that's fun for us. Like I like reading about that marketing stuff. I like reading about the psychology and seeing where we can implement that and make it easier for people to buy paleo treats. And Lee is super psyched to spread art and beauty and joy and, and quality around, whether it's via Instagram or how we present on the website or shooting a video, like any of those things. So doing paleo treats allows us like, sure, it's got to make money. It's got to pay the bills, but it allows us to have fun and to enjoy the, the life that we have here. And, you know, being American, we're already born into this really gifted, um, place. And so we figured let's, let's make the absolute most of, of what we've been given. Yeah. And it sounds like you guys really kind of, you know, there's people that get in business to, like you said, make the most money and, uh, squeeze every last drop of efficiency out of things or, you know, that really kind of, um, yeah, just really kind of push it right to the edge. And then there's other folks that kind of do it to make the world a better place and want to make money, but that's, you know, just a part of the equation. Um, and it's not the only factor. It sounds like you guys really kind of know where you're at with that and really kind of like live that. And I also like the rule you said about not talking about business between certain hours. Something tells me that, uh, that helps the relationship quite a lot at home. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get excited at like six in the morning, you wake up like, Oh my God, Lee, I got this idea for this email. Let's do this. And she's like, no, stop. I'm still, yeah. I'm still getting up. I'm going through my morning routine. We'll talk about this in a couple hours. And it's, it's nice to have that protection. Yeah. You can do that with anything though. Like, Hey, it's no talking about the kids from, you know, it, it pushes your mate to have also a, um, a different identity, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, it pushes, it pushes them to you know be something or do something besides you know uh working or you know being a mom it's like you get to talk about other things so it's just setting boundaries with time it's it's worked really well with us and that probably helps so, you don't just hey, see no, yourself, you know yeah. having your date night you know what you still get to be a couple and not just you know business partners at the end of the day and actually kind of set those boundaries yeah and i get to have my own identity you know and what i'm doing with my life you know, as, as a person, it's not, you know, I'm not defined by, by, uh, you know, being a business owner, you know, being a wife, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, smart woman, you know, with other interests. And yeah. Huh. All right. That sounds like a good place to yeah. end it. I like that. Well, thank you guys. Awesome. That was, that was great. It, um, that yeah. was super interesting. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place to do that? Uh, just jump on the internet, paleotreats.com, P-A-L-E-O-T-R-E-A-T-S, paleotreats.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. We're on all that stuff. If you just uh, Google for paleotreats. Great. All right. I'll put that all in the show notes as well. So I'll kind of link to that. And if anyone wants to, you know, hit you up on Facebook, uh, send you a live chat, they can probably do that as well. So and it sounds yep. like, um, it sounds like something I'd like to check out. So I'll definitely be in touch. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know if you have any uh, questions on that or anything or, or what works best or yeah, it's been great. It's been such an honor 
to be on your show. Really, really appreciate that you uh, that you reached out. Yeah, awesome. Thank so you guys. It's, it's with awesome. you. I think, yeah. Thank you. I think this will be helpful to other um, e-commerce folks, um, hearing kind of some of the things that are working and your kind of journey. That's definitely uh, going to be helpful. So thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.